Hello everyone. Welcome to Between the Lines and my name is Lou Palumbo. There isn't a question that there's plenty of things to talk about and there are many things to be concerned about as to the ongoings in our country today. What we have attempted to do with this show is to eliminate the heavy lifting in the discussions and simplify things by employing common sense, logic, and truth. Some of these dynamics seem to be absent in the conversation today. And um, around the world, we're in disarray as well. You know, the thing that's so interesting in our country today is the level of animus. And I sadly report to you that, you know, out of need, you know, I do listen to some of our media outlets and the animus and the rhetoric fueling the divide is in that place as well as everywhere else. You would think they would want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem or the problem for that matter. Depending on who you turn on, you get a different rendition of the day's events, a uh, different focal point. Uh, the thing that's so disconcerting is that, you know, our cities are burning in some instances, literally, and we're sitting here insulting one another when we should be focusing on how we're going to get this genie back in the bottle, to put it to you politely. So as I always say, you know, the purpose here is one that lacks contention. We're not looking for a contentious environment. I'm not here to insult anyone, embarrass anyone, demean anyone. Those tactics do not work. If you really want to see how poorly they perform, look in the media today and some of our elected officials, how they've managed to alienate one another, which subsequently translates to an inability to remedy uh, efficiently issues, you know, come to compromise, for example. And as I say redundantly, and I will continue to say, the most important, I would say disturbing element of this is how it impacts our children, their future, and ultimately the future of this country. So with all that being said, I know we have some callers lined up. I think one of my producers is going to basically attack me today. No problem. And we have some emails also, I believe. So what I'm going to do now is move on to our first caller, if I may. Good morning. This is David. Dave, how are you? I'm doing well, Lou. Where are you, by the way? Oh, I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada. Las Vegas. Oh, very good. Very good. I yes. see you have a California exchange, excuse me, a Flor- Floridian exchange. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, that's a Florida telephone number. Um, I'm In my mind, I'm always on the beach. Interesting. Well, yeah. you're not far from the beach there. You just got to hook a, a right and go further west and you're in California. You got plenty <laughs> of beach, 240 miles roughly, Dave. Yeah, yeah. I hook you, a right Are you from time. originally from Florida? Is that correct? Yeah, that... Um, I uh, I went to high school in St. Petersburg uh-huh. at Gibbs Gibbs High School Center for the Arts. Sure, yeah, and uh, I've I went back and lived there for a while. Had a theater company, did some other stuff, but uh, I've changed gears and become a a family man in Las Vegas and a researcher and, uh, and a university administrator. Yeah, interesting. Las Vegas, as I said a while ago, would be the first city to reemerge after this pandemic, which is an interesting critique of the Mm -hmm. country and its populace, you know, people are running, uh, I guess, to vent and I I guess use Vegas as a form of uh, coping mechanism. I have family out there and and, uh, involved with a very, very uh, prominent international hotel chain Mm -hmm. and um, everything is just jam-packed and, uh, you know, it's just symptomatic of sometimes another problem. I know you have a a question for me today, sir, is that correct? Oh, yes, I do have a question for you. Um, and, and listen, this, this might be a rhetoric question, but hopefully it will just spark a good conversation. Mm-hmm. So um, why is it that we can have municipal level tax funded water 
delivered into each and every home in America, but not food? That's a very good question. You know, I think part of it lends itself to not too simplistic an answer, but if you look at the the vast uh, varieties of food from different vendors, it may be just a little bit more complex on that level. Um, you know, water, if you're going to get it from Poland Springs or you're going to get it from Aquafina, and I'm not trying to promote either one of these, but I don't think it's as difficult a mm-hmm. dynamic as it is trying to figure out someone's dietary concerns. You know, I, maybe part of it's attached to liability, mm-hmm. Dave, you know what I mean? In other words, if you start sending people food, for example, and they have some type of allergic reaction and, you know, illness or death, you, know, you have liability. You know, that's a good question. Why? It, it appears it seems to be problematic in feeding, but I have a feeling that's part of the answer that's attached to it along with the fact that, um, you know, I just think you'd have to sit down and, and explore everybody's dietary concerns. So I'm curious to what your thoughts are mm-hmm. on this issue yourself. Well, actually, I, uh, that's, that's actually where my research is. Um, that's uh, something that was really of a concern to me because, you know, we're, we live in the richest country the world has ever seen. That's a statement of fact. And we have hunger rates, especially childhood hunger rates, that I think are immoral. Um, and I usually don't say that word. <laughs> um, but I think it's absolutely obscene that we have so many people who don't know where their next meal is coming from in this country. And um, I have, you know, I, that's something I'm very, very interested in. And uh, I've explored a unique solution for Las Vegas specifically, or Clark County, I should say, uh, to to grow to grow food and have it delivered to people because it it doesn't just alleviate the problem of hunger, but it alleviates all the problems that come with hunger. Everything from children that uh, grow up in food insecure homes, you know, they have almost three times the rate of suicide ideation. You've got huge oral health problems. You've got huge problems with people just being able to hold down jobs because, you know, they're working and they spend most of their money on on rent and then they can't afford food. And it just creates all of if these If I could just interrupt problems. you, you know, I, I have to uh, commend you. Sure. Uh, because your heart's in the right place, you know. You know, you're focusing on our children, which I just cannot understand why our children suffer the fallout of the foolish adults, you know. Um, you know, one, one, oh, yeah. one question to be asked is, you know, why is this country so preoccupied with entertaining the needs of people? And I don't want to underscore the significance of any human life, those crossing the border, mm-hmm. for example, or abroad, and we don't mm-hmm. take care of our own people. And it isn't just food, um, Dave. Their medical mm-hmm. is substandard. Their housing oh, yeah. is substandard. Their overall educational endeavors suffer. You know, it's a, a really good topic that you're on and i hope that you're successful in your pursuits i mean this thing about taking care of our children just bewilders me i will never understand how it becomes part of a political discussion when we talk about education or health care or diet it's just astonishing what we're experiencing in a country as advanced as ours but you know i say this to you also dave and and this is just again factual Mm -hmm. the country has grown exponentially since 1970 for example and with the growth comes more yes. problems. You know, I don't want to be hypercritical mm-hmm. of the country. I want to be, you know, constructively critical. 
But I want to be truthful and tell you that we seem to be systemically failing everywhere we look. We don't take care of the elderly properly. We don't take care of the veterans. We don't take care mm-hmm. of the mentally ill. We don't take care. We don't take care. We don't take care. And when it translates to our children, for me, it makes me cuckoo because they are simply born into these circumstances. This is not by their choice. So, yeah. you know, I, I say I commend you. And thank God we have someone of your fiber uh uh, attempting to pursue this egregious condition these children live in, but you know, I, I don't get I don't get what's going on in this country. You know, I don't I'm not a socialist. Period. I think most sane people are not. Mm-hmm. I think that we need to. Um, well, I mean, social. <laughs> you're, you're talking to it. You're talking are, to are you a socialist? Man, but, but you know, I appreciate but, you. But you know what it is, that. though, David. And please understand the context of that. When I say that, mm-hmm. I believe in taking care of people, which is a socialistic concept, but it yes. has to be done in an intelligent manner. Yes. What I subscribe what I subscribe oh, I to is the government should fund this and all of these corporations, and I won't mention them because we know who they are, that are making more money than you can count mm-hmm. should voluntarily, Dave. I see I think that's the operative concept. I don't want to see the, the government start to mandate um, contributions through taxing, for example. I'd like to see these companies step up and address some of this disparity in living in this country, starting with our children voluntarily, also being subsidized by the government. You know, my feeling is this. Children need health care, period. That's what I pay taxes for. Children need to have proper diets. Mm-hmm. That's what I pay taxes for. It's not that I don't care about the infrastructure. The roads are important, the bridges, you know, um, the infrastructure of the country. You cannot... Uh, understate the importance of those elements. But at the end of the day, there's nothing more important than our children. It starts with them. They are the future of this country. So I didn't make that socialistic comment to insult you. And if I did, I apologize. I want you to understand the context in which I I believe in taking care of people, which lends itself to a type Mm -hmm. of socialistic approach to things. But I'm not a socialist by nature because my concern oftentimes is that that program unto itself is kind of crippling. And I've watched it in New York City starting in 1965 when you employ something like welfare, which is rather socialistic, and it did nothing but further enslave and cripple people. It didn't help them, didn't motivate yeah. them, didn't stimulate growth. And that's the exercise. So when we're on the topic of socialism and children, I'm on board with you. We should pull out all the stops and whatever it takes to take care of these children, do it. But I do want to say, you know, we need to start by feeding them. They have to be physically healthy so they can participate and function yes. in this society. But we need to move on to their education, uh, their, their living environments, the safety of their streets. This thing about children not being able to go out into neighborhoods because of their fear of becoming collateral damage with drug lords or, or drug gangs, mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. And we're sitting on our hands doing nothing, yeah. Dave. So I don't want to burden you more than you've already burdened yourself with <laughs> undertaking this task, but I do want to acknowledge you're right on the right track, Dave. You're singing my song. That's all I can say to you. I, There's, yeah, I mean, I, I, appreciate I, I, read, that, I did I really have a chance to you. read a little bit about you know, your, your what you're undertaking there. One of the producers uh, afforded me the courtesy, Ryan, of uh, sending me an article, which is quite, mm-hmm. st- it's startling to think this is what our children are being subjected to. Oh yeah, by the way, right down the block, they're making more money than we can count. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. No, you're not. We never recovered. I-, I can prove, at least in Clark County in, in Nevada, we never actually recovered from the 2008 crash. I don't think that applies never to Las Vegas. I don't personal, think that applies to the strip. You're talking about the county. Personal wealth. Yeah. 
I agree. Personal wealth went up. The richest people got – this is before COVID. They yeah. got extremely rich. But hourly wages dropped, and then they started just going up with inflation. That has and, and inflation isn't even a real indicator. You know, like it, food has gone up, and wages have not increased with it. Uh, it, it people are it, nationally, you know, five hundred dollars, one thousand dollar medical bill, yeah. you go bankrupt. You know, you know, there's someone I'd like it's, to talk to. That's something. this young lady Cortez, the congresswoman in New York, AOC. They refer to her as. Because she is socialistic mm -hmm. in her concepts, which I do not negate. My question is, you know, you have to be more definitive as to who's going to benefit from that. It cannot be, how would you say, focused to one particular demographic. But it has to start with our children, number one. And then the other part it of this equation, to. Dave, which is critical and, of a, and is a concern to everyone, is who's footing the bill. Which I got to be honest with you, we shouldn't have a problem with. I think we should all be thrilled to be taking care of our children. It speaks highly of us. I don't think there's any greater failure as a parent than to fail your children. Period. End of discussion. And as far as your mm -hmm. socialistic approach to taking care of our kids, I, I agree 100% with you. They should never be part of a discussion or a negotiation. They talk about the Affordable Care Act, for example. First of all, take the kids out of the equation. I don't want to hear that we're going to Congress and the Senate to determine if and how and when we're going to take care of children. I can tell you firsthand experience, which is a lot of what I'm able to speak to because I lived it. I observed it. The children in minority neighborhoods have disproportionate access to diet and health care. They just don't have it mm -hmm. because of a socioeconomic hindrance. That's the reality of the situation, Dave. But look, I commend you. I hope that you call back in, to be honest with you, and you keep us updated as to the progress with this program. And I'm wondering, are the people that are uh, sitting on the strip, on the strip, excuse me, and all these casinos reaping in money, are they contributing at all to this? Or are we just turning a blind eye like we do everywhere? I want to say one thing to you about that last comment also. You know, I lived, I, I, I was born mm -hmm. in Brooklyn. I spent the majority of my life in Manhattan. And I can tell you this, when you mm -hmm. live on Park Avenue and 72nd Street, you're not looking at 125th Street mm -hmm. and Lenox Avenue. I'm just telling you right now. You're not looking up there. You're hoping right. you don't no. have to acknowledge it or deal with it. But you know what? Our day of reckoning is coming, and we're getting pushback. And the unfortunate part, and this is part of the issue today as well with the media, is that all we do is pander to people, Dave. We need to bite into this apple oh, and help people, it, starting with is, our children. All we do is divide it, each other. The, the media and social media. Absolutely. All, they see that machine. part of what I keep saying is that hate the machine. rhetoric has to change. You know, if, if you're, if it the does. exercise is for me to get on air and insult and demean and try to figure out how I'm smarter than you are, let's save the phone call. Let's each keep a quarter in our pocket. Yeah. If people are inclined to problem solve, this is the place to come because I'm not arguing anymore. Dave, let me not misrepresent who I am. I banged heads with more people than I have hair mm -hmm. on my head. And as you could tell, I got a lot of hair. It didn't, you know what it got me? Even being right. In, in Italian, there's a word that says ungats. I'm not mm -hmm. the only part I'm going to take. Got you nothing. Mm -hmm. I've got a different approach to things, mm -hmm. and I've had it for quite some time. I've always tried to be a diplomat. I'll make you laugh. When I was in college. I was a philosophy major. Go figure. I went into law enforcement. I had enough credits, 21 credits, to minor in political mm -hmm. science. But the long and the short of it is I didn't fall off the back of an apple truck, you know. But I will tell you, the way to get through this day is to try to find commonality and come in with a mentality mm -hmm. of problem solving and put your rhetoric and your divisive mentality and your agenda to the side, which we cannot seem to do. You cannot turn on a media outlet. You know what? This, this should be on a major network, this conversation. I can't give you the exposure that you warrant. That's it in a nutshell. You need to be on 
uh, on a Fox or an NBC or an MSNBC or any number of these media outlets. So this is spoken to there. This is disgraceful and shameful that our country has children that suffer, that go without diet, housing. Look, I've witnessed it in parts of Brooklyn and the Bronx and Manhattan. This is not like people telling me stories where children are properly clothed yeah. during the winter months. It's just... I was a... I was a teacher out here and I had kids come to me at lunch because they couldn't they couldn't even like fill out the form for free and reduced lunch. And I, I would always pack a little bit of extra food for them. I had kids tell me this is the or if they got food at school, this was the only meal they Amazing. got all day. <clears throat> they would go home and if and if they had anything, it would be like Mountain, Mountain Dew and wonderful. a bag of chips. You know, the, the, the other thing that's interesting yeah. that kind of reared its head as a result of the pandemic in New York, for example – to the credit of New York City, which has many flaws these days, they feed breakfast and lunch to these children in public schools there. When they closed the public schools, yeah. there went the health, there went the, excuse me, the daycare and also the diet. But they did uh, create another environment for them to eat. This is just shameful that we're living this. You know, the disparity in this country, and this goes back to like socialism a little bit. It's just appalling. I mean, how much do you need? And there's another question maybe Warren Buffett asks also. How much do you need? I'm just confused mm -hmm. at this point. But the thing I don't want to do is get into an environment where the government is mandating. I think we should all start to do this voluntarily. And Lord knows there's plenty of companies out here that are making more money. The oil industry, for example, the people that own Facebook, you know, uh, Bezos. What's Bezos' company, Dave? Refresh my memory. Amazon, please. Amazon. What they could do to They just got it he just got like a ten million bailout for his space program. That we better spend the money. Am I right? Like Dave? yesterday. That's that's what you want. Yeah, like ten <laughs> million. What are you gonna do? You can't make this up. I can't we are just inundated with crazy in this country today. And I don't mean to laugh because yeah. it's not funny. But the well, if we didn't, if we well, weren't laughing, jumping we'd be out of crying. windows, I keep telling people don't rent anything above yeah. one story. This way, when you go out the window, you can't get hurt other than maybe a sprained ankle. <laughs> Listen, I want to thank you for calling in. And I encourage you to call back. I can't bang this table because that resonates through the production. I apologize, Gary. Um, I won't do that again. But I really hope you call back in, Dave. I want to continue this conversation and the progress. You know and I'm only sorry I can't do more for you than than just collaborate with you. And um, no. You know, Lou, this has been absolutely fantastic. It was an accident. And, you know, uh, when I have a, when I, I well, it, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. You have to talk to Ryan about that. But um, you know what? I will call back in uh, when I have another really good question. I really enjoyed this. I love your your take on things. And I, even if nothing else, if someone else were to listen to this and hear two people from, uh, from have slightly different ideas agree on something and say let's work on our agreement but, but they, let me be clear about something dave we don't have different ideas you and i are the same yeah. mindset part of what the conversation has yeah. to be is how we go about executing your plan you follow me how to feed these yeah. and chip, chip, it's care for these children so we're on the same page it, yeah. what this really lends itself to right now mm -hmm. is the thing we valuable value most in life, which is money. We've got to figure out how to fuel and fund you. That's really what this is about. And the government should be behind a program like yours. So listen, please call back in. And um, All right. uh, how do we find out more about what you're doing? I mean, is there a website or is there any type of mechanism? No, right. <laughs> right now just, you just call me. I'm, I'm going to put your if, number if out over the air, If there's anything else, I'll let you know. <laughs> Okay. If there's anything right. else, I'll let you know. But for right now, for right now, it's uh, it's all word of mouth. It, it, this is for me. This is a whole new world. 
I've just entered into this whole world, so I don't have a website or anything. But um, yeah, please do that. Do, we I'll wouldn't mind know. help giving you a push with this thing because it's when you talk about the kids, man. This is like my Achilles heel. I've experienced a lot. I've had a lot of adversity, a lot of disappointment. I think most people have. It's kind of like mm-hmm. earmarks the journey. You learn to make it. You make you strong. Yeah. But this thing about our kids makes me absolutely cuckoo and that we are so detached on a daily basis. You know, Dave, I, I need to let you go and I need to kind of break off and give our sponsors <laughs> a, a, a chance. But, you know, I wonder when they start opening their mouths in D.C. or on the, on, in the media, if they think about the words they say and how they translate to our children or the actions they take, how they translate to our children, because that should mm-hmm. be our priority. You know, I, I'll tell you something else, what I learned in this journey. I watch Vietnam. That's my generation. And I listen to a country promoting Mm -hmm. democracy. What a wonderful concept. If you want people to follow you, take care of their children. They'll follow you to the ends of the earth. Don't come into a foreign country and say, we're going to get you the right to vote. Isn't that whoop-dee-doo when the kids, again, have sanitary concerns? There isn't a proper hospitalization for them or medical treatment, diet, learning. It just goes on and on. I mean, it's just common sense. We're going into countries. Go in and help your children. That's the start with this whole thing. That's also the avenue to everyone's hearts for the most part. So, And that's a very, very important element in establishing rapport with people. You have to establish commonality that makes them comfortable with you. And usually kids are what, what it takes. Listen, I got to hop. I got to take a quick break. And then I'm going to have to get, unfortunately, to our next caller. But please call back, Dave. Please. I implore you. All right. Thanks, Lou. Take it easy. Okay, guys. We're going to take a quick break and um, thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to move on to our next caller. I think we're about to hear from a young lady, Judy. So let me see if we can get her on the line. Hello, Lou. This is Judy. Judy, how How are are you? you? Doing well. And where are you right now? I'm in Lakewood, Colorado. Oh, very nice. Colorado's a beautiful state. We spoke about that before. If I recall correctly, you've called in before. I did. I yeah. called you Thank about you. two months ago about the assault rifle shooting in Boulder, which is the next town over from me, and I was extremely concerned about that, and I enjoyed our conversation and your take on all that. And so my question today, I know you're a, a New Yorker at heart, and there were about 40 more shootings in New York City over the weekend. And in fact, uh, recently, the New York Police Department said that in April of this year, shootings were up 166% compared to shootings in April of last year. And that's a frightening statistic. And uh, tourism in New York City is about, I don't know, around $80 billion industry. But more and more people are leaving New York and fewer, fewer people are visiting. And for good reason, they're scared. And how do you fix this situation and not have it revert back to what was done in the 70s and 80s? Well, we're already pretty much back in the 70s. And and the first thing I want to say to you is this. uh, Thank you for calling in again. Uh, I encourage you to continue to pepper me with questions like this. Um, In reference to the crime, I I want you to know something, Judy. It it is bigger than New York. It's in every major city in this country. This is not something that's germane only to New York. This is everywhere. Um, Well, I know that. And there's even, like, shootings in California, that six-year-old boy that was killed in his mother's car. And there was a shooting this morning, another one in California. I know it's rampant. 
Yeah, what we have we an active do? shooting situation going on there right now. I get a, an intel briefing f- through the city of New York. Uh, I mean, Judy, f- first of all, you know, th- this is, it's, um, it's not a complicated conversation, to be honest with you. We're looking at a form of systemic failure. I'm not going to label any particular political party, but I would ask everyone to do something. Not take me on my word, but to research for yourself and take a look at who's running every major city in this country. And there seems to be this inability to establish boundaries and consequences. In the city of New York and the state of New York, the governor, in his omnipotent wisdom, decided to pass a bail reform bill, which basically has turned um, you know, the, the criminal element into the revolving door. They go out and they commit a fairly serious assault or crime, a theft, you know, uh, and they, they're released immediately to go back and do it again. And that's what's going on there. As far as encouraging tourists to come to New York, I think like in the past month, we either shot two or three and we had one stabbed in the knife, uh, excuse me, stabbed in the neck on a subway with a, a screwdriver. I, I don't and know he, what we're not getting in our country here. I'm sorry? Even a four-year-old tourist. It's, a, almost, it's almost daily in, the, in this country somewhere. We had another incident in the city with another child. I just spoke with this a moment ago to this topic with uh, a prior caller about the concerns of families in minority neighborhoods. You can't let your children out in the street in Chicago or New York or any number of places for fear that they're going to become part of the collateral damage. But the resolve to change this has to start with the political environment because I want to tell you something. The police department is controlled by the political environment. They will be allowed to do only that which they will allow them to do. It's really that simple. And I really don't like becoming contentious or taking on these issues that lend itself to being argumentative but I'm looking at the mayor in the city of New York, and I'm just curious how he's getting away with this. He has taken this city into the dark ages. But I want to say something else to you because you referenced the 70, 70s. I was a police officer in the 70s. The thing I'm going to tell you that's different, back in the 70s, we went to hell in a handbasket, to put it to you politely. The city went bankrupt. They laid off cops. We were doing it all. But there was a resolve in the police department to go out and engage the criminal element. Guess what? That's gone, Judy. The police are not engaging anyone now because we threaten their pensions and then we threaten worse to put them in jail and take them from their families. Why would you do this? So there's a lot of dynamics running concurrently here. And another thing, so you're aware of this, is this technology has pigeonholed the police. All of, everybody walking around with cameras, cell phone cameras that revisit redundantly the actions of the police, like if you have to forcibly take someone into custody, which translates to them being modified or suspended or fired and then incarcerated, is why your police are never going to work again. I'm listening to this word defunding floating around. I always say demotivate. Concern, concern yourself with demotivating the police, which is happening in New York, Judy. That's part of why crime is going in the direction it's going. But you don't have to worry about defunding, and I'm going to tell you why. New York City just tried to get 800 candidates to go through the police academy. They barely got 400. Now, the whole concept of defunding, part of which lends itself to reduction in budget, which attaches to hiring. Guess what, folks? You don't have to worry about that anymore because no one wants to be a police officer today. You know, at the beginning of this pandemic and this economic crunch in New York City, they were talking about layoffs. You don't have to lay people off. They're quitting in mass numbers. I think we lost 52 of 5,400 police officers. And here's some bad news coming in July. I'm hearing a number as high as 6,000 based on the fact that there was a massive hiring. 
So we have a lot of problems running concurrently that are feeding this crime issue and ultimately translate to the economic recovery of the city, which is what you spoke to also, this $80 billion a year industry attached to tourism. All the major hotels right now in the city are closed, Judy. They're trying to reopen. The problem is you have to have occupancy. There's another issue going on in the city people are unaware of. A lot of these are union hotels. If you hire a union worker for a day, you got to pay him for three months in some of them. So how do you roll the dice, restaff a Hilton Hotel, which is the size of a city block, or the Waldorf Astoria currently closed, but is the size literally of a city block, and staff it and hope that you're going to have the occupancy to support your revenue? I just don't understand how this whole equation is going to come to pass. And what I really like is we're all sitting there posturing, picking at each other, criticizing each other, instead of sitting down and trying to put our heads together for the good of our children, first of all, and the overall good of this nation. We're just not doing it because everyone has an agenda attached to attacking each other and discrediting each other. Until we put this to the side, also, we're never going to go forward here. But the problem in New York, similar to the problem in Chicago, no secret, you have to look at the leadership. Oh, yeah, look at Los Angeles. Look at San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Austin, Texas, work there. University of Texas, 54,000 college students, 60% increase in shootings this year over this time last year. And what people don't know is that it doubled last year over the year before, 2019. That's the same thing that's happening in New York. Minneapolis, they're reporting homicides are up 113%. This is across the board. It's Minneapolis, it's Milwaukee, it's D.C., it's Philadelphia, it's Chicago, it's Detroit. It's across this country. It isn't just New York, but the question is, when are we going to get back on board here and understand that you have to have boundaries and consequences? Stop intellectualizing people's conditions. I understand all of what's driving this lack of enforcement. It lends itself to some type of perverse sense of, uh, um, what, what's that term that they use? Um, it just slipped to me. Um, Reparation. There it is. I'm so sorry. Reparation. Is this like reparation that we're going to give you a pass because you're of indigent circumstance? How about we really bite into the apple and make a real strong concerted effort into getting people educated, getting them off the streets, getting them jobs? When you have unemployment, Judy, you have crime. That's also what's going on in New York. There's massive unemployment because of the pandemic. How do we manage it? We're letting people do whatever they want to do. I have friends of mine in New York City Police Department I won't disclose who they are, but they're crime, crime prevention detectives in Midtown North, which is like the heart of the city in Manhattan, 5th Avenue, 57th Street, all the shopping, Madison Avenue. Shoplifting is through the roof. People are indiscriminately walking into pharmacies, delicatessens, restaurants, clothing stores, taking what they want and walking out. And you know what? I'm going to tell you the truth, something people don't like. Cops are not rushing there. You know why? Because every time they engage someone and it becomes some form of resistance involving taking them into custody using force, we sit there and armchair quarterback their actions. This is all just not, not aligning. And you know what? This is a very big discussion and some common sense logic and reason has to be reintroduced into this conversation or we are hell bent for hell is all I'm going to say to you. But, you know, you're, as far as right the... You know, you know, the interesting thing is that these knuckleheads keep talking about passing gun laws. And I want to take that word knucklehead back because that's kind of confrontational. But they talk about gun laws. We have plenty of gun laws. You need enforcement. We have no enforcement in this country. And the police are hesitant to enforce. So tell me how we get this fixed. 
You have to change the political environment because they lead the charge as far as getting the city straightened, back, straightened out. I want to tell you very quickly about something. In New York City, uh, in 1990, there were approximately 2,490 homicides. Rudy Giuliani won the election November of 92, was sworn in January of 93. He appointed the most progressive, the absolute, in my opinion, the best political, excuse me, police administrator in, in the business that I've been around in 48, 48 years, Bill Bratton. In two years, he rolled back the homicide rate to under 500. But the police went out and did their jobs. That's what they did. Oh, yeah, by the way, truth be told, they employed the tactic of stop and frisk. It was necessary. Now, there was a little glitch with the employment of stop and frisk, and I'll explain it to you so people can wrap their arms around where this went awry. When you have a crime statistic in place, you can justify a tactic. When the crime statistic rolls back, you must roll the tactic back. And I'm not blaming anyone a political administration, a police official, but what they should have done, instead of keeping the cops in the street, plain clothes, plain stop and frisk, they should have saturated the neighborhoods with uniform policing because that's purpose is to prevent and deter. We didn't do that. And subsequently, we started to continue this practice, or we kept this practice going of stop and frisk, which translated to a lot of animosity. Long story short, we have now come full 60. You know, they say everything in life, Judy, is cyclical. We're living, living the cycle. We went from 93 to the beginning of the Blasio administration. The city was in incredible shape in every way imaginable. This man came into office and his remedy or fix to problems has led to the demise of the city. This city, and I hate to say this to you, is never going to come back, nor are any of the other major cities, which well, are now... I, my question, I have a follow-up question. Yes, ma'am. With, with cell phone cameras everywhere in everybody's hands, can you still practice stop and frisk? today you know what um, well first of all they're telling you they don't want you to you know we we have an attorney general in the state of new york that suggests that when you stop someone you know no i'll tell you what the procedure is we pull someone over for a vehicle and traffic violation right or suspected drunk driving one of the things we do right out of the gate we check you for what they call wants and warrants the attorney general doesn't want you to do that for fear you might have a confrontation that's the logic. I mean, you, you, this is the problem. You know, they say the fish thinks from the head down. That's the problem in the culture. The, the IQ of the people leading the charge may be academically sound, but they don't live in the real world. That's the problem. They're detached. They live in a cocoon. And part of their agenda is driven by resentment and animus. I know people. I've studied people my whole life, which is why I've been so successful in business. You make an assessment of an individual. You can then anticipate what you're going to get from them. And when you start to look at the people that are pushing back and how they're pushing back, Maxine Waters, for the record, I handled her security during the Rodney King riots. I was with her. She was a councilwoman, far more moderate. Today, she subscribes to confrontation, interference, and civil disobedience. I'm, I'm having a problem understanding where we're going with this thing. But I just want to ask you, do you, you have a, a, a follow-up comment or a question, Judy? Because I want to make sure you leave this conversation, you know, satisfied. No, it sounds like there's really no solution, that the police have their hands tied. Um, you know, that unless you get better leadership, nothing's going to happen. And um, I really appreciate your comments and your thoughts on this. It's very frustrating. The conversation has to change starting at the top. You know, the first thing that has to happen is our elected officials and our media have to demonstrate the ability for us to disagree and get along. That just simply doesn't exist. You know, 
we're in a crisis right now in the country, which is why I've chosen to do this podcast, to be very candid with you. Um, I'm not going to comment beyond that. I have skin in the game. I have children, and I have an, an, an affection for children in general because of their innocence and our responsibility to guide them and mold them and teach them about this journey. And I don't know how we're going to do that, but I'm just watching. I want to tell you something else about cameras in New York City. We have a system that's um, proprietary to New York City. It's called Argus. I think there's between three and 5,000 cameras throughout the borough right now, in addition to all the shop owners that have cameras hanging off their buildings. So when they want to go back and revisit the conduct of the police after the fact, it's very easy for them to do that. And you know what's interesting also is we seem to have walked away from um, due process. We just automatically see police officers using force to subdue someone, and we think they're wrong. i tell you something interesting, and I'm going to let you go because i got to move on myself, and I apologize for that. When you see three or four police officers restraining one individual, the perception is police brutality. What the public doesn't understand is that when three or four police officers restrain an individual, less force is used. There's less risk of injury to that individual and less risk of injury to the police. If I have to take you into custody by myself, and I'm a big boy, I'm going to have to use more force to get your behavior aligned than if I have three people with me grabbing a limb and controlling you a bit more gently. One other closing uh, statement today, ladies and gentlemen. The police, uh, excuse me, the public has to learn it is against the law to resist arrest, even an unlawful arrest in the state of New York. They just have to read the penal law. You have recourse if you're falsely arrested. You can sue the city. Now they're letting you sue the cops, which again is another reason why the cops aren't going to work for you. If you're listening to this conversation, Judy, listen to the cycle of the, of the language. We're in trouble here. We need to change the leadership. Also, let's be fair. We need to have better candidate selection in law enforcement, and we need to train them better. We need to train them better. We need to train them better. You almost can't train our police enough. You know, it's a tough job today, and it's gotten exponentially more difficult with the growth of population and the complexity of the problems that they're facing, which is now terrorism. Listen, thank you for calling in, Judy. I hope that you call me back again. I hope this answered your question more than anything, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for taking my call, Lou. Oh, anytime. Call in anytime, Judy. Okay. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break, thank our sponsors, and then we're going to get into some emails. Remember, you can go to our website, leave us a message, communicate however you would like to. The website is betweenthelines.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And before we go to emails, let's check in with Lloyd, our producer. I think Lloyd has something on his mind today, fearful enough. Lloyd, are you there, sir? Is this a collect call, number one? Because I don't no, take collect this, calls. This is not a collect call, Lou. Okay. Man, I want to make sure because I'm not paying for your phone calls. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> oh, Lou, there's so much going on in the world, and I really like that last segment and one before. We really got to focus this back to the children and back to uh, – you know, those that need the most help. So great stuff. My question today and a little comment is on um, immigration and um, the difference between immigration and asylum. And my contention here is that we're, we're focusing so much on illegal border crossings that we're not focusing on providing 
enough assistance to those that need it, the refugees that need asylum. The numbers of refugees that we take in is a fraction of what is coming in over the border illegally and uh, legally. Um, we issue about 1.42 million temporary foreign visas uh, for workers, uh, yet we have a fraction of that for our asylum seekers. So I know you have a lot to say on the border and encouraging kids to head to the border alone or dropping them over a fence is, doesn't help anybody. So I want your thoughts on this issue and specifically what we could do more for people that really need asylum as opposed to those that want to get here because we're a great country. Yeah, you know, the borders, again, I hate to say this, but um, and I'm going to be truthful as to the topic. It didn't help when the president announced an eight-year path to citizenship for 11 million immigrants that he neglected to mention came into the country illegally or remained unlawfully. Take your pick. Either way, remain unlawful or enter unlawful. Number one, it became a mass rush to the border, and I don't think they prudently anticipated that so they could manage it. Um, you know, this, the refugee status, you know, asylum lends itself to the notion that you are under persecution, for example, in, in your home. You know, you're, you're being treated unfairly or you're leaving because you're in fear for your life or the life of your children. And you can substantiate that, sometimes because you're a political figure. You know, everyone wants to come into the country under this asylum rule, which means we automatically grant you access to the country. Wonderful concept, but it isn't working. You know, right now, I think we have about 30,000 people remanded at the border. And if you watch any of the media outlets, you're literally watching aerials, filmings of our Border Patrol agents chasing groups of people that look like they're out on a jog together, like you're running with a pack of people taking a jog. Everybody's running for this border here. And there seems to be a lack of resolve in addressing how to manage the border at this time. Um, Lou, I know that uh, you come from a family of immigrants, and so do I, and, and we both um, realize the benefit of having immigrants and having diversity and, and all of that comes with that, with innovation and, and productivity, uh, et cetera. And, it, you know, I think my biggest contention is that I feel, and this is just me personally, like those that are coming in illegally, I, I equate it to, it's my house, you're not knocking on my door, you're just barging in. You didn't ask for permission to come in. Um, I can see why some of them do it, but they're stealing the spots of people that are real refugees, and, um, and that's a problem because they're people that are leaving war-torn countries, that are leaving because they're persecuted religiously, they face rape on a daily basis, etc., and those refugees need help, and I feel the rush from the southern border is taking... Um, taking resources away from people that really need that refugee Lloyd, status. Lloyd, we, we are under, overworked and understaffed. That's what's going on at the border right now. And that seems to be something that's systemic. Um, every institution is taxed beyond their capability to perform. It's just the reality of the situation. To simplify the border, and I know that the president 
mentioned stopping the building or the construction of the wall, which is just ill-conceived. Whether we like this or not, we need to seal the southern border of this country and the northern border, by the way, and start to systematically and intelligently allow people to access the country. What's happening at the border is just mayhem. They're coming into this country any which way they possibly can. We're watching them scale chain-linked fences fences with um, uh, barbed wire on top. I mean, the level of desperation is incredible. You know, part of me cannot blame them for wanting to acquire something you and I have. And unfortunately, what a lot of Americans take for granted. But there has to be some method to the madness, and that's absent in this conversation. And I don't want to become political because I don't subscribe to the politics and the atmosphere and the rhetoric. But part of the motivation by one of our political parties is to continue to flood the country with their future voting base. This is wrong. That's why when the president came out, and I don't mean to criticize the president, this is just my opinion, when you're offering citizenship to people who illegally entered the country, that's wrong. Give them amnesty. I'm a proponent of that. Their children will vote and, and prosper from the relationship with the country. You don't have to give the whole store away, which is what we're subscribing to, and that has spurned this border rush. It's irrefutable. What's even worse is this lack of resolve to manage it. I mean, what is it they don't seem to understand? If you'd Luke, speak Luke, to people... 12 million unauthorized immigrants in our country, 12 million. And you talked about resources before and how many resources we have. Our past caller talked about feeding children. Um, you know, these resources are depleted. Um, <clears throat> and we do give a lot of visas. I mean, we give 1.4 million visas out, including work visas, uh, etc. temporary visas. So, you know, Boy, that's where the majority, majority of the people illegal in the country are coming from overstayed visas. You know that, right? Right. That's that's the majority. Right. But you know what this all lends itself to, Lloyd, just to tie it up for you? We're having a hard time taking care of our own people here. We're talking about our own children not eating, not being educated, not having proper diet and medical care. And we have an onslaught of people coming through the southern border here that we're now trying to undertake that task. This is just absolutely crazy. And I go back and I say this to you. It lends itself to we're growing exponentially with the problems that accompany to the, the growth. I don't understand what people don't understand. You know, we have 800,000 law enforcement agents in a country of 335 million. Let me tell you something else that's interesting. The United States Secret Service needs to be doubled in size just to handle the protection details absent of the credit card fraud and counterfeiting. We have not grown that agency. Wow. An example of overtaxed, overworked. Some of these agents go out on the road during the presidential campaigns for three weeks at a clip. Let's talk about the kids for a second. If you've got a sketchy marriage, sometimes the distance is good. Gives you breathing room. You can collect your thoughts, calm down. It's never good when you're away from your children three weeks at a clip. I can tell you in years past, they'd go on the road for three months. I understand the nature of this business. I did it privately. It's no different. The only difference is the compensation for me is dramatically more than it is for a Secret Service agent. That's an example of overtaxed workforce, understaffed. 
It's happening there. It happens in our police departments. It's happening at the border. They need to augment what's going on at the border, maybe with the National Guard. I'm just saying we need to start to have a conversation that lends itself to something that represents productivity, other than just trying to figure out how we're going to continue to let people come into this country we can't take care of. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're not taking care of the people in this country legally. This is crazy what we're talking about today. But I want to I say want to get one back thing. to the wall for, for a second. Go right because ahead. The boots on the ground say it, it helps them because they're they're lacking in resources to deal with this problem. You know, the left says Berlin Wall equates it to, you know, this the symbolism of division, you know, and the right uh, symbolizes it uh, much, much differently. And, and it's a and symbol of management, Lloyd. Either. It's a symbolism of solution? management. But go ahead. Yeah. No, I was trying to figure out how. You take the politics out of this because the left's wrong on it, the right's wrong on it. What is the right view, um, sensible, common sense, logic and reason answer to why we need a wall, why we don't need a wall? Lloyd, Lloyd, we need containment at the border, number one. Whenever I run into a crisis in my own business, for example, and things look like they're getting a little hairy, the first thing you need to do is employ this concept of containment. Containment at the border lends itself to a very simple concept. You have to employ whatever technology, manpower, and structure to prevent people from just indiscriminately accessing this country and wandering it. You know what people don't understand about what's going on at the border also? goes back to a lot of my comments. A lot of the people coming into this country at this point are going to engage in criminal activity because they don't have education. They have unemployment. Unemployment lends itself to crime. We're really not looking at the big picture here. What's happened to this country is inexcusable, and it's the responsibility of our elected officials and the media to change the narrative in this country and also to try to help change the optic in this country as to how we get along with one another. The border is not that complex a problem, Lloyd. You have to contain the border and then implement a process that allows people who have legitimate need to come into the country and also to do it in a measured fashion so we can manage it, folks. We can't just let thousands of people hit the country every day without the ability to take care of the problem. I mean, one of the things we're talking about with the children that are remanded at the border is education, clothing, food, medical. We have to continue to facilitate their their welfare if we let them into the country. That's part of what we're, here, we're about. But at the end of the day, we're having a hard time taking care of our own. I mean, this is just simply madness. And I, I don't believe, believe I'm turning my back on anyone in need. But if we're going to help them, it's got to be done systematically sound. And that's just lacking here because we're not focusing on it. We're focusing on who we want to blame for what. The, the conversation's wrong. We need to sit down together in a civil capacity and figure out how to control or contain this problem because that's the answer to this thing. Not the politics, not the agenda, not the future campaigning points, which is what this is going to be about. Wait for a couple, wait till you see two years when these congressional seats open up and they start to see the, resi- the, the pushback from the public regarding how the borders have been managed and the condition of our cities, just to start with. But Lloyd, it's not, you know, I hate to say it to you, and I don't mean to oversimplify it, but it's not that complex. Seal the border, 
employ logical, reasonable, sensible concepts to allow people to enter the country. The other thing is this. I go back to boundaries and consequences. If you violate a visa, you should be immediately put out of the country because here we've afforded you access to the country. We've trusted that you would comply with the conditions attached to that access, and you've just basically slapped us in the face and decided to ignore our immigration laws. We need to have some form of consequence also. My heart goes out to these people that are traversing thousands of miles to get to our border, seeking what we take for granted in this country. We're distracted with technology. You know, what generation phone you have, what car you drive, what computer you have, all of the things that kind of feather our bed. My heart goes out to them. And we need to figure out how to give them access to a better life without the expression going, throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I, I just, this is just confounding. And again, it's what's lacking in common sense and decency in our conversations today in this country. And unfortunately, the media is leading the charge in that lack of decency. All we do is pick. You know what's so interesting is we're chasing Donald Trump again. Our cities are going to hell in a handbasket, and we're worried about Donald Trump's taxes. Guys, we have bigger fish to fry. I'm not saying it isn't important to hold a standard for people who hold office or big business, they've got to have a standard. But I have to tell you, we can't selectively employ that either, which is what we seem to do. It has to be part of a political agenda once again. Look, they're afraid of this man. 75 million people voted for him. More people voted for him and he lost than people voted for president instead of one in the past. It's quite conf- const- uh, astounding. And they have a legitimate concern if they're worried about him becoming the president again. But diverting attention into issues that are not taking care of our country. Putting, putting Trump in jail is not going to take care of our country. It's going to satiate an appetite. That's what's wrong. The agenda is wrong. All right. We're going to wrap it. Lloyd, thank you for annoying me today. Uh, <laughs> I'm only kidding, buddy. Uh, that's really, you know, that's a good topic to speak about. One that's not going to go away. We're going to be talking about this again, but hopefully in a more productive fashion. And that's what the key is today, to be productive, folks. And don't take what we say here as dogma. Go out and do your own research. Look at the condition of the borders objectively. Look at the way they're being managed. Look at the way they're understaffed. Look at the condition of your cities. Look at the crime statistics from from this time to last year and the year before that, doubling every year. We didn't even talk about the gun control issue as they're whispering about gun control. We have record numbers of people buying guns, a lot of them new first-time buyers. Anyway, guys, we're going to let it go for now. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to go straight into an email from Dave, who's on Long Island, a place that I'm familiar with. Dave, uh, he wrote, let's see what he says. He says, Lou, straight to the point, how can anyone who is Jewish support the Democratic Party? Wow, that's a really interesting question. Um, I don't know how you do, to put it to you simply. I mean, you know, we have a a considerable number of uh, elected officials that happen to be Jewish, both sides of the aisle. Uh, Chuck Schumer, the Senate majority leader, is Jewish. Bernie Sanders is. And they seem to be content allowing certain elected officials, and I'm going to say who they are. It's Tlaib and Omar from the 13th District of Michigan and Omar from Minneapolis to spew anti-Semitism and to suggest that Israel is wrong in defending itself after Hamas has launched 
as having been reported over 4,000 missiles. I don't know where this is all coming from. I didn't know you could spew hate, suggest the destruction of an individual or an entity and hold office. I thought we were supposed to be more responsible than that. I know they're afraid to say something or take them on because they're women and they're of a minority in the country, but I don't really care about that. I'm not worried about the politics. I'm worried about the truth attached to this discussion. So I don't know how people who are of the Jewish faith or who have any lineage with Israel can be comfortable with the democratic agenda. I don't see the outrage in the media. I don't see anyone calling for impeachment or removal from office, which they both should be removed from office. Plain and simple. I don't know a nice way to say it. Your agenda has to be one that's consistent, first and foremost, with what's best for this country, not what's best for your own personal feelings or your personal attachments to your religion. It's about our country, about our children, about your children, by the way. I don't know why Tlaib and Omar are still in office, I'll be honest with you. I don't know why Maxine Waters is still in office. And this is not focused on the Democratic Party. It's to any elected official, regardless of your affiliation, if you suggest civil disobedience or your rhetoric lends itself to the destruction of other countries or nations. I mean, what are we thinking about? Israel's not a threat to us. Why aren't you concerned about who is the threat, which is Iran, by the way, who happens to be funding and fueling Hamas? No secret, they're giving him the missiles. That's right. We're involved in discussions right now with Iran as to how we're going to facilitate an agreement that lends itself to not developing uh, nuclear energy or weapons, and we trust them. I mean, have we lost our minds here? And the answer to the question is we have. Talib and Omar are both intelligent young women. Their agenda is wrong. And I would ask and appeal to them to think about what's important to this nation first and foremost. And whether we like to admit this or not, Israel is a friend and an ally. And thank God we have them as some form of balance of power in the Middle East. Because without them, we'd be flying by the seat of our pants all by ourselves. Interestingly enough, though, worth mentioning, my understanding, and someone should correct me if I'm wrong, that the Israelis and the Saudis are involved in a collaborative effort to develop a desalination plant. It seems to be we can problem solve when we want to. I don't understand this thing of what's going on with Israel and Palestine. For my purposes, you need to sit down like big boys and girls and put your insecurities and your control issues and your esteem or whatever else is driving this division and figure out what's best for your children in those countries both the Israelis and the Palestinians. Your people also, in general, sit down and figure out how we're going to live peacefully, which, by the way, I hear that Muslim people do live peacefully in Jewish territories. I'm trying to understand how this thing escalated over a real estate disagreement, as I understand, and I don't mean to simplify this either, to where it justified launching missiles into Israel. You know, there's something else about Israel, in case people haven't uh, figured this out. They really don't care what you think when it comes to defending or preserving their nation. They're going to do what they feel is necessary. I'm watching our elected officials waver on support. Bernie Sanders is suggesting that we not provide them financial aid to continue their preservation. Bernie Sanders is Jewish. I don't understand what he doesn't understand here. Why aren't we just putting all of this 
conversation to the side and focus on how how we're going to get them to sit down and work through their differences. It's this is just amazing what we're living today. But how are you Jewish today and support the democratic agenda when we have congressional members calling for the destruction of the state of Israel and spew anti-Semitism in their tweets? You're allowed to hold office in this country? Why aren't they impeached? I'm just curious. And I'd love for someone to explain to me why they're not removed from office. Are you afraid of them? Is that what this is? You're afraid of these two young women? The sad part is these are intelligent, talented women, just like Cortez. She's a very intelligent young lady. I just hope or wish we could realign their thinking to one that's more productive and less polarizing and one that lends itself less to harming people and one that lends itself to reconciliation, for lack of better terminology. It's a good question that came through in this email, and I don't know how anybody is supporting the Democratic Party in general. You know, the Democratic Party is in trouble here. There's an undercurrent. There's a division in their philosophies right now. You know, the president came in and shut down the pipeline, which translated to unemployment for about 11,000 people, and stemmed the flow of fuel into this country, which we need, which lends itself to our our, uh, independence, where we're not dependent upon anyone uh, f- for, you know, energy. I, 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 this, this whole thing is wrong because it's attached to politics, not what's best for this country and our kids. So good, good question though. And I have to, I'm asking people to give me some answers to the questions I proposed. I just want to know how we're still holding office folks. It's astonishing. Maybe we're going to see a shift. I don't know if we'll see it in Tlaib's district, or we're going to see it in Omar's district and, and Minneapolis. But I'd like to sit down with these young ladies at some point and ask them, what's the end game here? Are we trying to bring us to the destruction of the world? Is that what you want to do is continue to escalate these conflicts by fueling them instead of diffusing them? Because what we're doing is we're fueling them. It's an interesting question that this gentleman posed from Long Island. I wonder where he was in Long Island. Does anyone know, by the way? No. doesn't matter. All right, listen. As always, we appreciate people calling in and emailing us. And if you're interested, please go to our website, between the lines, excuse me, between the lines dot TV. Then you can leave a message or communicate with us in any form, including Pigeon. Also, Spotify will enable you to access our show. So please feel free to contact or communicate through Spotify to hear our episodes. Okay, I want to thank everyone uh, for participating today, even, even Lloyd. Um, and, and the questions are important. The answers are important. The conversation's important. Thank you. I'm Lou Palumbo, and that was Between the Lines. Yeah.